study the word that's why we always encourage you and the key is everything that you see everything that you experience you don't want to follow after a church movement you don't want to follow after a teacher or a prophet you want to follow after Jesus the true and living God and anything that pulls you from that is a false prophet I don't want people to become disciples of crossroads I want to be disciples of Jesus You can follow people on Instagram and Facebook and click like and subscribe on YouTube. But today, Pastor Daniel shares that the person you should be following is Jesus. You'll learn that your faith shouldn't be grounded in a specific church, pastor, or movement, but in the Lord and in the truth of the Word. Following Jesus will let you experience the astounding life God created you to have, which is way better than any social media post. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 13 with a new message, Don't Mess Around. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Now listen, this message I've entitled, Don't Mess Around. And the reason I've entitled it that is that we ended Deuteronomy chapter 12 with the reality that we needed to be careful to make sure that um, the children of Israel, when they're going into the promised land, they're going to be tempted because of all the different ways that people worshipped in the promised land before the children of Israel got there. They were going to be tempted to want to worship the gods of the peoples who God has dispossessed out of the land. So God says to them, listen, I want you to destroy all the high places. But God also realizes that it's not that simple that the human heart isn't that simple. It's not like if you just remove the opportunity that a temptation ends, right? It'd be great if it was that way, right? Like if you just like get rid of the potential opportunity, then the temptation doesn't exist anymore. But you realize, because you're human and you allow the spirit of God to search your own heart, is that oftentimes because our hearts are so bent on rebellion against God, left up to its own devices, that just removing the high place is not going to remove the potential for problems. So there needs to be a greater discussion about it. And really what you find in Deuteronomy chapter 13 is that we're going to see three examples of ways that this temptation can take root in people's hearts. One, through false prophets, through people who are coming supposedly in the name of God, and who are coming, and they are sent to try and pull people off the path and get them distracted from following hard after the Lord. The second would be a loved one or a friend or a family member who is not following the Lord and wants you to join them because misery loves company. That's how that goes. And then finally, what happens if an entire town or an entire nation were to choose not to follow the true and living God. What happens when there's that strong peer influence of a lot of people? And what do we do then? And how should we deal with these things? Now, I think what's fascinating about this is that if you look at the world that we live in today and you look at your own life, I'm pretty sure that each one of us 
has probably all three of these things going on. That one, there are so many false teachers who are out today, it's unbelievable. And oftentimes, some of the worst teachers are the best funded, which means they're everywhere. So there's such an amazing opportunity for us to be distracted by bad teaching, to be pulled off from the simple teaching of Scripture. So yeah, false prophets are all over the place. There are a dime a dozen, not only in their day, but in our day. Also, each one of us have the temptations of loved ones and friends who are not following after Jesus, who are inviting you to be a part of their compromise, right? They invite you along on their journey, but their journey isn't going to draw you closer to the Lord. It's going to draw you away. And then as it relates to an entire town, a region, or a nation, and I'll talk about this when I get there, American culture, like people like to say that American is a Christian nation or was a Christian nation. I don't believe that because I don't believe a nation can be a religion. I think people within a nation can be a religion. But you have to realize that America is a secular nation now. Whatever it used to be, it was, but it's not that anymore. And the secularism of America is permeating the church at a rapid rate. And we are experiencing within the people of God the compromise that comes from living in a host culture that does not want people to follow hard after Jesus. And so we're all getting pressed in from the outside, from a culture. Now, I also, when I talk about that, I'm going to talk about how we should deal with that, because um, I don't think we should be hysterical. I don't think being hysterical ever want anyone to follow Jesus. There's a better way to get at it, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So let's just jump on in. Deuteronomy chapter 13, picking up in verse 1, look at what it says. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. You shall so you shall put away the evil from your midst. Now, I want you to notice this. This person who arises, this prophet or this dreamer of dreams, they also have at their disposal certain signs and wonders. Now, I think this is important to realize because the true and living God is not the only one who has the ability of signs and wonders at his disposal. If you remember when Moses and Aaron were speaking before Pharaoh, the first number of miracles that Moses showed Pharaoh, the magicians were able to do the same thing. So you have to realize that if you're the kind of person who signs and wonders get you all excited, you have to be very, very careful. Because if you read through your Bible, what you find is that signs and wonders at best can authenticate faith, but signs and wonders will never sustain your faith. You know why? Because only the spirit of the living God can sustain your faith. 
You have to realize that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-signs and wonders. Actually, quite the opposite here at Crossroads. But we do not think signs and wonders is the whole thing. We think Jesus on the cross and resurrected is the whole thing. Does that make sense? And so there, oftentimes, in the name of signs and wonders, along with this will also come an encouragement to leave the true and living God and follow after other things. Like right now, we see this a lot in the body of Christ, that there is a very strong experiential bent that's going on. And I said it on Sunday, God is to be experienced, but God has also given us his word to hem us in. And that's exactly what the Lord keeps saying to me. He's like, listen, don't go. Walk the way you were commanded to walk by God and his word. And so whatever about prophets and signs and wonders, it's all fine, but all of it comes back. And we look at the scriptures because God has given us the scriptures to hem us in. And if something goes on, you say, well, that's all great, wonderful, so cool, but what does the scripture say? And that's the way we keep the scriptures in the right hand of power. The scriptures are what hem us in. And then all this other stuff goes on, and we are always checking it against scripture. We always have to check it against scripture. Now, what you have to realize is that not every dream, not every sign, not every wonder is a divine revelation. Sometimes it could be, it could come from another origin. And what we find here is that sometimes somebody will give you a prophetic word telling you something that's going to happen, and then it does happen. You say, oh, they might be onto something, so I'm going to follow what they're up to. But notice what it says here is you'll know, you'll know whether somebody is a true prophet or a false prophet, whether their spiritual giftings that they're functioning in are divine as opposed to maybe satanic or otherwise. You'll always know because where are they trying to lead you to? That's the key. What is it pushing you towards? In verse two, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. See, oftentimes, people who are extraordinarily gifted also realize it's a great way to make lots of money. And oftentimes, people who have are very charismatic want to draw people away to them as opposed to pointing people to Jesus, and that's where you know you have a problem. So listen, brothers and sisters, we study the Bible here Because we do not want to be like what the Apostle James talks about, ships that are on like a sea tossed all over the place, carried around with every wind of doctrine. Why? Because we have the truth, and the truth is Jesus and Genesis to Revelation. Does it make sense? Because Jesus says that in the last days, there will be all sorts of deceivers are going to come, and even some of the people who are chosen by God could be deceived. So we live in a world that's full of the potential of deception. So if you want to make sure that that's not you, you stick in the book. You stick in the book. And you always make sure that you don't allow one verse pulled out of a place, out of context. What do I always say? When you take a text out of its context, what do you have left? A con. That's pretty good, right? Con text. Take text out, you have a con. So what happens is someone will take some verse, and normally it's an obscure verse from like the prophet, someone, they run it out there, look, this is what it is. You got to read it in context, and not only in its immediate context, but it's context from Genesis to Revelation, because certain things in context here, but when you tie in this scripture and this scripture and this scripture, you get a much bigger picture. That's why we do this. That's why we study the word. That's why we always encourage you. And the key is, 
everything that you see, everything that you experience, you don't want to follow after a church movement. You don't want to follow after a teacher or a prophet. You want to follow after Jesus, the true and living God. And anything that pulls you from that is a false prophet. I don't want people to become disciples of Crossroads. I want to be disciples of Jesus. And if Crossroads is a healthy place, we're going to be making disciples of Jesus because we're disciples of Jesus. And we have to make sure because especially in a celebrity culture like what we live in today, people want to follow people. People want to follow charismatic people or gifted people or handsome people or any of these things. We want to follow Jesus because he's the one who conquered sin and death. And he always does those things which please his father. Make sense? Super important. Now notice in verse three, we get God's kind of prescription for this. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now that's a kind of a scary thing, isn't it? See, when it says that God tests us, it's not that God doesn't know what's in our hearts. We just don't know what's in our hearts. God knows everything. So God knows what is inside of my heart. God knows what's inside of your heart. But God wants us to learn what's inside our heart. And really what God wants is God wants us to be personally devoted to him, that we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and by extension, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. He wants us to be completely devoted to him. So what is it that can keep you from loving God supremely? Is it a relationship? Is it some foreign substance? Is it some opportunity? Is it something that you feel like you've been lacking that will pull you away? See, God wants us to be passionate with a singular passion. And that passion is him because God knows that when we are singularly focused and passionate about him, then we become a vehicle that he can leverage to bring blessings into the world. See, you were created to be singularly devoted to God. And when you're devoted to God, you will be a great husband or wife, grandma or grandpa, aunt or uncle, neighbor, employer, employee. See, all those things, all the different roles we play in the world comes as an outgrowth of that relationship by your singular devotion to God. As I always say, don't do a good job at your job for your paycheck. Do it for Jesus and let your boss get the benefit of it. When you're singularly devoted to Jesus, it's a kind of a terrifying thing because you'll be having like a disagreement with your spouse or whatever, you know, and you'll be like, oh, Lord, I love you. But like, well, if you love me, you go apologize for being a knucklehead. Well, that's how he talks to me. He wouldn't talk to you that way, you know. But he'll give you another way. It's like, you know, you should go apologize because you're being stubborn or you're being prideful or you're, you're, you're just not being, you're not being logical right now. You're being emotional. Whatever the thing comes out. But when you go to the Lord, you'll say, Lord, I love you. I want to love you more. He's like, well, why don't you love the people around you? You love me, then why don't you honor me in the way that you carry yourself? And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to be singularly focused. That we, it's all about, Lord, I want to love you more. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind. I want to love my neighbor as myself because you love me the way that you want me to love other people. You want me to pass that love along. But you've got to be careful because if we're honest, each one of us can be sidetracked to compromise. That's the reality of it. Each one of us can be. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus, how long you've been walking with the Lord. 
We all can be sidetracked. Verse 4, it says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now, you know I love those, but I want you to notice all those words. Walk after him, fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice, serve and hold fast. So I want you to take your pen. I want you to underline all those words in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead. Just reach on over and just... Nail their Bible. Just be like, circle it, star it. If they're on a smart device, you highlight that thing in their Kindle or whatever, you know? But I love those action words because God isn't stagnant in that way. You know what I mean? God, you know, I once heard a theologian say, Daniel, always follow the verbs. That's what he told me. Always follow the verbs because God is always on the move and you're always on the move. So follow the verbs. And I love all these verbs. You can get at these things. You can just grab hold of verse 4 and say, okay, Lord, this is my marching orders for the rest of the evening. And tomorrow, as I go forward, Lord, I want to walk after you. I want to fear you. Because fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says, I want to keep your commands. I want to obey your voice. Oh, that simple obedience that we always talk about. I want to serve you, God. I want to hold fast to you. You know, the, the idea of holding fast to God, that speaks about us realizing that we're all apt to be sidetracked. When you hold fast to something, you hold on. You hold on. It's funny, like, so my daughter Annabelle, she's two in a couple months, and I keep telling you guys, you got to pray for us, because she is so exceedingly naughty. <laughs> she is so cute, but she is naughty. And so she's in that place where she's in busy mode. You ever had a two-year-old? She busy, right? And so Annabelle will take something and she'll run away, you know? So literally, before I'm getting here, I'm, I'm at church, I'm, going, I'm at home and I'm going through my notes, I'm making sure everything is nice and I know what I'm going to do and everything. And sure enough, Annabelle comes up to my desk and she takes my wallet and she runs, you know? Now, like, I want to tell them, like, look, it's all yours anyway. So it's like, you know, I don't, it's like, you're, I'm going to spend it all on you anyway. But sure enough, like, I need my wallet back, you know? And I'm like, Annabelle, I need to, I got to go to work. You know, and then, you know, because she's two, she thinks if she covers her eyes that I can't see her. So she goes like that. And it's so, it's so cute because she's like this and she can't, you know. And I'm like, you know, even though I can't see, you can't, eyeballs can't see me. I know you're standing there. And she goes, you know, and she did this little thing, right? And so sure enough, I walk over and I grab the wall and she's got that thing so tight. It's like she's been doing CrossFit or something. She's just like, just holding that thing so tight. And I'm just like, trying, I, and I've been doing CrossFit, so I can't get it out of her hand, you know? That's how God wants you to hold on to him. Like you're my daughter stealing my wallet. You know what I mean? Just like, like you just grab that thing and you hold on and you don't let go. You know, every time I think of holding fast, I always think, how many guys remember that movie, Rudy? Do you remember Rudy? Where Rudy, Rudy. Okay, for those of you who are young, you're like, I don't know who Rudy is. Listen. I'm sure it's like free on whatever your on-demand TV is because it's free always. It's probably on Netflix or you just go on YouTube, you watch it for free. It's a movie from the 80s. It's the guy from, uh, you'll know him from The Lord of the Rings. Us older people know it from him from Goonies and other places. He's in the movie and he's like a walk-on football player. And all he ever wanted to do was be a football player for Notre Dame. And he walks on and he's, they're never going to let him on the team. But over four years... Like, he begins just washing helmets and stuff, and then eventually they let him on the practice team. 
And literally, they're just trying to break this kid, Rudy, and he's just unbreakable. He just wants this so bad. And he's like, he's coming out of practice, and he's all beat up by these guys who are huge. And at the end, you know, by the time he's at the end of his fourth, it's his last game. He's there, and the coach ends up letting him in. Not because he wants to, but because everyone's freaking out that Rudy needs to be in this game. And there's this scene where Rudy's trying to tackle this guy, and he's holding on for dear life. And when I think of holding fastball, I think of images like that. Because I think what it is, is I think oftentimes for some of us, we don't hold fast to the Lord. We kind of got slippery fingers with the Lord. We hold him until it gets a little bit challenging. And then we're like, oh, forget that. You know, I like Jesus. Well, no, I don't really like Jesus right now. You know, but no, no, no. We need that grit. We need to hold fast to the Lord, especially in a world full of compromise. We need to hold fast to the Lord. And not only that, but notice in verse 5, it we're told, but that prophet, that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God. Now, I don't want you to miss the, what we would consider to be an extreme punishment for that. Now, you have to realize that for the children of Israel, their religion was also completely wrapped up in the way that they understood themselves as a nation and all of their laws. So the worship of the true and living God is completely tied into all their laws. See, the reason, the reason this Ability to draw people away from the true and living God has such a dire consequence in the Bible is because the Lord knows that if you can pull people away from the true and living God, all bets are off. Then people will end up doing whatever is right in their own minds and all sorts of depravity will follow. And let's be honest, for many of us, we have spent time away from the Lord and When you think about it, you're amazed at the things you can find yourself involved in until you realize that there's people who are involved in even worse stuff. See, the depravity of the human heart has no limits. There's no boundaries. And when people will leave the true and living God, they will find themselves involved in all sorts of stuff. Because in the end of the day, every sin, every Mistake, every act of rebellion, every missing of the mark that happens, it always begins with idolatry, always. It always begins with a worship problem. The reason someone steals is because they worship something other than the true and living God. The reason somebody will murder or lust, the reason somebody will do any of those things is because there's an idol problem in their own hearts. And that's why this is so serious. So that's the first scenario. If there's a false prophet, somebody with the gift of signs and wonders. Now look what it says in verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 13. It says, if your brother, the son of your mother, the son of your daughter, the wife of your bosom or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers of the gods of the people, which are all around you, near to you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him. Jesus is real. We're so glad that you joined us for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Today, Pastor Daniel walked you through some of the things that can derail your walk with the Lord. You learned that living disconnected from the Lord can lead you into some dark places, doing things that will surprise you. 
Pastor Daniel explained that idolatry is at the root of every crooked part of your life. You missed the mark because you valued something other than God. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to look at the things in your life that discourage you from following Jesus with your whole heart. You'll see that people you love and respect, even other believers, won't always encourage you to be all in in your walk with the Lord. Pastor Daniel urges you to stand firm in Jesus and follow after him with abandon as you simply respond to what he's asking you to do. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.